The ClickZ Podcast with Tim Flagg. Insight, opinion and advice from the leading practitioners in digital marketing and e-commerce. So actually your role as a marketing professional is not only to kind of understand social media or to understand conversion rate optimization. Your job is to deliver business change. This is the ClickZ Podcast. I'm going to be talking to Kelvin Newman about search marketing, and in particular, the trends that he is most excited about in 2016. Before we get started, a quick word about the report. As a marketing practitioner, I know how difficult it is to make sure you are up to date on the latest trends in digital marketing. If you want to read one comprehensive and in-depth report filled with insights from expert practitioners, then check out the ClickZ Intelligence Digital Trends 2016 report. Bringing together the expertise of 40 leading practitioners and industry commentators, the ClickZ Intelligence Digital Trends 2016 report is the comprehensive guide to the digital marketing and e-commerce trends that you need to know about for the year ahead. If there's one report you read this month, make sure it is the ClickZ Intelligence Digital Trends report. Visit clickz.com forward slash digital trends 2016 UK report to download the full report for free. That's clickz.com forward slash digital trends 2016 UK report. Kelvin Newman probably needs no introduction, but he's the founder of Rough Agenda, a company that arranges specialist digital marketing events, including the Brighton SEO events. And in 2014, Kelvin was voted by eConsultancy as the most influential individual in digital and in 2013 won the Search Personality Award at the UK Search Awards. Uh, and I've had the pleasure of working with Kelvin uh, at uh, the IDM. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to um, introduce you all to Kelvin and um, ask him to tell us a little bit about who he is, add to that biography, um, tell us his marketing stories and his backgrounds. So Kelvin, could you tell us a little bit more about you? Yeah. So day to day, I organise um, Brighton SEO, which is a twice yearly um, digital marketing conference um, covering search engine marketing. Um, it, you know, is free to attend. Um, and yeah, we get lots of people come along to that. So it's um, quite good because that plus sort of training for people like um, the IDM and the consultancy give me this really good sense of what the industry is up to, what's working in search marketing, what's not working in search marketing um, and kind of what people are trying to do and what they're doing differently. Um, prior to that, um, I kind of fell into SEO. I think that's how most people end up um, getting into it. I was working um, for what was then EMAP, um, now Bauer, a uh, magazine publishing company. Started writing a little bit for their websites um, as a blogger and kind of as trying to become a better blogger, came across search engine um, optimization. Found it really interesting, really good balance between the kind of some of the science and techie side of things, but also kind of a creative and PR side of things. That fit really, really well with me, and I've been doing it ever since. Fantastic. It sounds like you've really been involved in, in search since the early days, and you've really seen it evolve and develop. Um, it would be fascinating, I think, for our audience to hear a little bit more about um, what attracted you um, first to marketing and then to search. Yeah, I mean, search is one of these industries where certainly it feels like a lot is changing. I think sometimes it's good to take a step back and kind of realise that actually some of the fundamentals are still quite similar as they've always been. It's been kind of about understanding what customers need, how those needs are translated into search queries and then kind of reflecting that in your website. The reality is some of the nitty gritty tactical things that you might do to reflect that, um, that customer interest has shifted over time. Um, 
the search engines have become more sophisticated um, the people online have become more sophisticated there's more channels and ways of kind of um, of demonstrating expertise of being seen as authoritative in the space that has changed but yeah certainly this kind of fundamental um, opportunity in search marketing which is you have someone telling you what they want to learn about or what they want to buy and trying to reflect that in how you describe your products and services is kind of really, really powerful. And that's kind of what drew me into it, really. I, um, you know, at university, I kind of was interested in the media, interested in online, did all my dissertations about kind of um, what early forms of social media and kind of search just fit really, really nicely to that, you know, interesting what you know interesting in the choices people make um to search it's kind of very similar to some of the choices you make if you're doing if you're writing you know if you're writing a headline so that certainly appealed to me there this kind of balance between um the art and science but the, the good news is i think for most people that have been working in search is whereas historically some of the tactics that might have um worked and you felt compelled to do um were sometimes not the most interesting and exciting um, things like, you know, which had probably more in common with data entry than genuine marketing. That's the stuff that's become, you know, far less effective. And that's not that's not new. That's happened over, you know, a series of years, probably the last five years, really. We've seen kind of a quite dramatic change in that. But the reality is now that a person who's interested in search, they've got to understand customers and they've got to understand marketing. And, you know, that's a really interesting place to be in because every new sector you work in, every new client you work with, every new project you work on, it's something new added to it and it's a new area to understand. And, you know, if you're interested in people and how they think and how they act, search is a great place to work. That's really interesting what you were saying there about um, all these new areas which are opening up and the sort of cross-fertilization of ideas. Um, what advice would you give to um, somebody entering the market now who's looking at search and thinking it looks like a great industry to get into? What are the what are the really hot areas that you'd recommend they start researching? I, I mean, I think in, in every sector, there's things that um, are new. And if you can kind of become a real specialist in one specific area, that's always a strong, you know, from a career development point of view. I think if you're just starting out, it's very, very good to develop a deep specialism in either a sector or a subset of SEO. Um, eventually, as your career progresses or you take on more um, more responsibility in an organisation, you need to broaden those skills. But certainly early on, it's good to kind of have that, you know, almost be asking yourself, how can I become one of the top 20 people in the country at this particular thing? And even though that might seem quite narrow, the specialism that you get in that particular area will help you in terms of career development or help your client or your um, employer do really, really well in one area. And once you've mastered that, suddenly the rest of it all kind of comes together quite nicely. It's amazing how kind of going deep in one area, you suddenly start to see all these connections. One mistake I think sometimes it's easy to make is to try and do a little bit of everything. And that can work really, really well. You can, you know, deliver some good results initially. But what you do find sometimes is people like that sometimes struggle a few years into their career um, or a little bit later into their career that they, they haven't really got anything that they can do that they, they feel that they're exceptional at. And sometimes that's just about confidence. Um, so the less confident someone is in their ability, sometimes the, the harder they find it to progress, even if they've ultimately got the talent and the, the capabilities to, to really progress and go well. How much do you think um, search is or should remain a discrete um, function within the marketing team? And how do people who are search specialists then broaden out their understanding of those marketing principles you mentioned so they could become marketing managers and eventually marketing directors, etc.? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for a long time, search was very much, you know, S itself was quite siloed. So even between paid search and 
a natural search and often people would specialize in one and never really cross between the two um i think search is less now about perhaps a skill set um, and more maybe a kind of a, a a way of thinking or a way of working and kind of people who um who have that background in search particularly this kind of idea of keyword research so having tools out there that allow you to kind of gain a real snapshot or insight into how people think and behave that sets you up really really nicely and that's got a lot of similarities to the processes that people might use in ux where they might do um, user groups they might do user testing um, it, it sets you up really nicely around CRO. It sets you up really nicely about market research and advertising. So it's kind of really good from that perspective. And that, I think that's the, the development that people take is this kind of understanding of how a area of marketing works really, really well. And then trying to go, well, how did I get my consumer insight? And then kind of going, well, what are the other ways I could get consumer insight? Or maybe it's about I'm really, really good at content and promotion. And actually the way you broaden is kind of, well, I've, I've understood writing really, really well. How do you transfer that to video? How do you transfer that to podcasts? How do you transfer that to, to live event speaking? And that kind of, you know, process of broadening out, it's about kind of getting confidence, understanding and being kind of aware of how what you do as a marketer works. So not just getting too stuck down in the nitty gritty of what you're doing day to day and, you know, how do you become more efficient? Kind of go, well, ultimately, what are the building blocks that I, what are the processes I'm going through and how can I then apply that to slightly different disciplines or slightly different verticals or, you know, um, business sectors? Great. And now looking back at 2015, what would you say were the biggest trends that actually happened in 2015? Well, I mean, I think every year for the last 10 years has been the year of the mobile. And I think, you know, it's very hard, very hard to argue that 2015 wasn't another year where the use of mobiles continued to dominate um, the web as a whole. And that, that's got particular relevance in the world of search. You know, for a long time, kind of in my training and in the courses we program, we talk a lot about kind of mobile SEO and how that might be also kind of a, a sub-discipline or how the approach you might take to do well on mobile SEO might be slightly different from the approach you take to desktop. But now in pretty much every sector, particularly consumer, but also B2B, the mobile is becoming, you know, often the the most frequently used device to access a website. If your website doesn't work on mobile, it doesn't matter how well you perform in search, because if that person's on mobile and they're not able to do what it is they set out to do, then you're going to struggle as a business. Now, the reality is, is that the behavior that someone ha might have on a mobile or a tablet might be slightly different to their desktop. You know, it's this kind of cliche that typically people might research on their mobile, then actually purchase on another device. But in some of the sectors I've seen and some of the case studies and award entries that I've seen across the last year or so. The reality is, is that, you know, if you're producing content, if you want people to come to your website, it needs to work on mobile. Um, if you're producing pages that are designed to convert and get people to take an action, but only works on desktop, you could be missing out as much as 50, 60% of the potential conversions and sales that are out there. So that's kind of the one that's definitely had the case. And that's kind of a, been an onward trajectory. We've seen it over the last couple of years. I don't see it slowing down anymore, but I certainly do feel sometimes that the marketing efforts that we make are perhaps a little bit lacking behind the customers. Everyone before mobile was a big deal was very excited about it. Now it is, you know, it is a big deal. I think sometimes the website design experience or the kind of marketing that collateral that people are producing doesn't always fit with the expectations that people would have for mobile content. I know exactly what you mean. People have been talking about this year being the year of mobile for probably at least five years now. And you kind of see them sort of getting those reports that are just crossing out, you know, 2013 is the year of mobile, 2014, 
15, etc. So Kelvin, thanks very much. You've input into the digital trends report, the most exciting trends in 2016. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, I think there's two main areas that are going to be influencing search marketing that perhaps didn't quite have the impact in the past as they're definitely going to have this year. And one of them is kind of quite technical. Um, it's to do with the technology that the search engines use and how we as search marketers would need to respond to that. And the second is a bit more kind of to do with the business of search marketing. Now, the technological side of that is around machine learning. Now, machine learning is kind of a technique um, used by computer scientists to try and find patterns and trends in data sets. Now, for a long time, the way in which Google particularly worked was around an idea of kind of ranking factors. So there are a number of things that you could do to your website in order to better reflect what the search engines were looking for. And those of us who did search marketing were able to look at studies that people like Moz um, and um, search metrics put out and they did they would do what they call their search ranking factors which would really look at kind of uh, different things you could measure about our website and see how well they ranked and the things that correlated really highly with websites that ranked highly you try and replicate that on your site so it might be something like um, websites that have the keyword in their title tag tend to perform better than those that don't so we would go off as a seo and kind of reflect that now, the reality is that as the search algorithms get ever more complex and as kind of uh, machine learning becomes more practical, instead what happens is that the search engines try and use these systems to determine um, what websites should appear at the top. Now, the reality is, is that these systems, they don't necessarily know what those ranking factors would be. Um, there's a kind of an example that I've used in a few presentations that is quite interesting and kind of illustrates um, a little bit of kind of how machine learning works and some of the problems that might present to digital marketers. So this is from a number of years ago. This is at the, um, occurred at the University of Sussex where I went to university in the School of Informatics. I did media studies. I wasn't doing anything quite that, that advanced. But essentially they kind of um, set up this situation where it was, could a circuit, could they evolve a circuit using a kind of sort of machine learning um, to to determine the difference between two tones um, to see if they were the same or if they were different. And they evolved a circuit um, to solve this problem, right? They used multiple generations and kind of um, went, oh, well, that generation, that variation is better than the others. Kind of survival of the fittest applied to circuits. Now, what was really interesting about this is that they went through all the generations, all of the variations, and eventually evolved a circuit um, that could tell the difference between these two different tones. Now, what happens then is, as an individual, you look at this circuit board, essentially, that it created to, to solve this problem, <clears throat> and it shouldn't work, right? There were bits of the circuit that had no influence on it at all. Yet, if you remove them, the circuit stopped working. So what we had was a circuit which solved a problem, yet we couldn't reverse engineer why that's the case. And that's what potentially is where the search algorithms are working so what google will be able to do is look at the search results and tell you if they're good or not but it's not necessarily possible to completely know with full confidence why that website was doing better than the others we might be able to determine that website a is better than website b in terms of that they're confident that, that result's good but the, the the process of how they got there um you know might well be hard to determine now the 
the good news is for most of us as marketers, the reality is that we've just got to concentrate on making our websites better. You know, the experiences that we've got, looking at who's performing well, learning from our competitors and doing well there, rather than perhaps trying to take kind of a tick box approach to search engine marketing, which is kind of almost, I, you know, you've got to tick off all these things in the checklist. Instead, what you need to do now is kind of go, well, a person whose search responsibility is, what does Google like? What are the types of things that generally they're, um, they're talking about that they, they think the website should do? It's about speed, it's about mobile friendliness, it's about good user experience. And actually what you've got to do as a search engine marketer is there are still skills that would get forgotten about if there wasn't a search engine advocate there. But what you've got to do is kind of tick all those boxes that you would historically have done. But actually, your responsibility now is to be the real advocate of web best practice as Google define it. That's fascinating to hear what you were saying there about the way that the search engines, Google in particular, have evolved. Um, and did I get this right, that you're saying that in some ways now they've almost taken on a life of their own? And within Google, they might not know necessarily what are the factors which are driving the ranking, but they've set it up to be so sophisticated that it's almost learnt what is going to be the most effective way of, of showing pages. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly there's, you know, someone somewhere is programming the machine learning to test for these things. But the more factors that they look at, the more structured their learning set is that they use the harder it becomes to truly understand what the case is. So it, it doesn't mean that it's kind of going to take on, you know, artificial intelligence and, you know, take over the world or anything like that. But certainly it's a case that actually what becomes the focus is more about the quality of the output of the algorithm rather than the factors that go into the algorithm. And I think that's probably been going on for a number of years. But the search industry really seems to be kind of waking up to this change and kind of, I think that's the big trend in 2016, that whereas in the past, maybe um, we would obsess over relatively small tactical things that we could do to do well in the search engines. I think there'd be a more general push to strategically, how do we do the types of things that are, that are old, for, for a long time, everyone said, do what users want and the search engines will reflect that. But still we would kind of follow the detail of everything that Google said. Whereas I think we'll see actually no usability the you know are we answering the questions that our, our customers have that will become more the way in which search marketers will think about what their job actually is yeah, i mean that that is um, interesting as well because um you mentioned the early days when seo mods were testing on a number of different variables and there was kind of almost reverse engineering trying one thing seeing whether it had any effect and then trying again and again um do you see that now being um a more complex challenge for organizations like SEO Moz, do they have to try and keep up and compete using their own um, machine learning to to try and reverse engineer how the search engines work? Well, I think the reality is, is that stuff like that is still possible. There's still testing going on. It certainly reveals interesting insights. But my question would be, are they useful insights? And I think that kind of leads on to my sort of second trend, which is kind of a bit more about the kind of the practicalities of the business of search engine marketing. So it might well be possible that you can could construct a scientific experiment to see if, I don't know, something influences the search results. But actually, I don't think necessarily, though that might be interesting to people who are interested in search marketing, I don't think that necessarily makes most businesses able to do their their search marketing better. From my experience across the years, most of the campaigns that search engine marketing campaigns that are less successful, the reason that they're less successful is about execution. So it's not about kind of 
poor strategy, it's about poor execution. Um, could you elaborate on that a little bit and how you think that's going to be changing this year? Well, I think that there's a greater need in any marketing professional to ensure that not only are their um, recommendations or suggestions or strategies right, um, but that they're implemented. Um, you know, so actually your role as a marketing professional is not only to kind of understand, you know, and this applies to all disciplines, not just to understand social media or to understand conversion rate optimization or to understand search engine optimization. Your job is to, you know, deliver business change. And I know that sounds a bit, you know, tarty and maybe over the top. But, you know, if you make 101 recommendations and that would make a website perfect from a search engine, but none of them are you know ever delivered they don't ever aren't ever implemented i think that's a bad report that's a bad audit that's a bad piece of work that you've done actually much better would be maybe not necessarily making the most sophisticated ones but about you know ones that are implemented so your job and i think we'll see this more that it's the kind of these softer skills that um you know all kinds of professional services organizations really polish and i think you'll see a lot of that kind of people who are great technical SEOs or great, you know, creative SEOs or social media marketers actually investing more of their time and kind of personal development in how can I how can I be a better communicator? How can I um, be better able to kind of um, persuade the people I'm working with to do things in the way that I want to? And I think that's a real shift that we'll see over the next 12 months. It started already. The people who are good at it have always done it. But certainly I think I'm seeing more and more people where as the as time goes on, they're realizing that actually there's a difference between just being knowledgeable. If you're not, you need to be effective and knowledgeable in order to kind of deliver good results. Yeah, it's a really interesting distinction there between somebody who can be very technically expert in something like search or social, and then what are the steps that they would take to become um, much more of a of a leader to get the right mindset to be able to take that technical understanding and apply it as you say to the the business outcomes and I think that's something that, that I've really witnessed when I've been working with some people they they start off with that technical expertise they become very confident um, going through those big excel spreadsheets looking at keyword analysis or google analytics or other platforms but then when you try and get them to think about how that relates to the business. Um, they haven't quite joined that up yet. And it's really the guys who are able to take that leap, go and educate themselves a little bit more, find out about um, how other companies have used um, the search or social to achieve those business goals. That's where the real difference can be made. So listening to what you were saying before about how there are some technical skills, but also some skills which are much more about collaboration and about learning and being open and, and having outcome focused uh, mentality. What would you say is practical advice for some marketers listening to this and saying, OK, well, how do I take that step up from being a search marketer into something broader? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I do is, you know, expand your reading, expand the events you attend or the videos you watch online, wherever you get your training online or whatever you do to kind of develop yourself, expand that. Um, so I, I think that reaches a certain point in someone's career where, you know, even as someone who organizes SEO conferences, if someone's a head of SEO um, and they come to a, a search marketing conference like the one I organize, the reality is there will be things that they learn there, but it's only going to be relatively small because they're already very knowledgeable actually what would be more useful for them is kind of going well actually how could they go to an event where they would be a beginner and that might well be they go to product development events it might be they go to a completely different you know thing altogether they might go to a psychology event they might go to a cro event or they might start reading different blogs there as well so kind of i think that 
you know, situation is if you find yourself starting to go to events or read blogs and kind of go, yeah, I already know this. That's good. That means you, you, you should be confident in that. The development that you would then do is about kind of going off in different directions. And, and you know, different people are going to learn in different ways. That's kind of, I think, one of the things I've, I've discovered over the, you know, the past few years that the, the approach that people take to where they're going to go next is quite different. But I think it's just about kind of being open minded and actually thinking, putting yourself in not necessarily uncomfortable situations, but kind of unusual situations. Can you take on projects that, that would be different from ones you would have done previously. Great. Uh, now, what about if people are listening to this and they want to find out a little bit more about, um, say, machine learning that you were talking about earlier on, where would you advise they go? And are there any good case studies or examples of brands who have, who have actually started to use this technology? Mm. Well, the, the Google recently have talked... There's a great Bloomberg piece, actually. So it's kind of like... Um, mass business appeal where they start to talk about their rank brain algorithm which is kind of a very particular um, piece of machine learning technology it's not kind of as all-encompassing as some of the other things I've been talking about here today but certainly some of the coverage of rank brain so there's the Bloomberg piece which was the original um, kind of story that triggered off the discussions about that then some of the follow-up articles on places like e-consultancy um, I think Clixie also have some great write-ups of it as well and also on search engine land all of these write-ups around rank brain. And actually, I think the reality is, is that there's no definitive answer about that. And what, what I, again, this is another skill that I think people are starting to take on is kind of reading different sources, reading between the lines and forming their own opinion. And I think that would be a great place to start by kind of researching and understanding about the, um, the Google rank brain update. Well, not update, sorry, the Google um, rank brain algorithm. So, sounds great. I definitely think it's something um, which a lot of marketers face as a challenge is how do you keep up to date on all of these latest developments because there's not only all the technical developments but there's also all of the vendors who are pushing new software and then the kind of bigger strategic changes are there some brands who, who stand out to you as being very good at using this um well i mean not in terms of it's not something necessarily that you could use to improve your seo um i think that kind of more of a, uh, the way i suggest is that, that there is a complexity behind the algorithm that means it's almost impossible for you to reverse engineer so instead you should look at what the what is the algorithm trying to achieve and it's trying to find great websites but if you are interested in learning a bit more about kind of the the type of technology that machine learning could be used for a really great example of that is actually spotify so i don't know if you use spotify tim yeah, um, yeah but they have their discover weekly um playlist which is every monday they give you a um a series of songs, I think it's about 20, isn't it? I can't remember the precise number, but a series of recommended songs that based upon your previous listening history, that they're fairly confident that you're going to like. And I'll be honest, I've been using Spotify for donkey's years. I dread to think how long I've been paying them. Um, but it, it, but it's really, really effective. Um, it works really well for me. And it, it, it predicts music that I never would have ever thought to listen to. Not necessarily in the fact that it's kind of completely out there. It just kind of knows. It's stuff that would never get, never get on a radio playlist but fits the kind of music that I like. And the way that they've done that is this kind of understanding. So it's looking for patterns. They see the songs that you like. They see the songs that other people who like those songs like and see which songs do they listen to that I haven't. And that's kind of a bit of the process there as well. So, yeah, I definitely recommend trying to... There's some great stories that have come out. There's three or four that have come out in the last uh, month or so about how the Spotify Discover playlist works. Um, and I think that's, again, another way that this is this is common across all kinds of technology companies. They're trying to go, how do we use software to kind of 
find the patterns and trends in people's behavior to deliver more of what they want. And that's kind of what the search engines have tried to do. So Netflix is doing the same. There's, you know, it's not necessarily machine learning, but the stuff around kind of the recommended products on Amazon, it, it's this, yeah, it's this general trend that's the kind of like, well, actually, if you know, if you have enough people using um, a platform of any shape or form, you can start to infer things about other people's behavior. And that's what they're trying to achieve. So kind of, I think that's, and that's interesting, right? If you're thinking about how, how are Amazon recommending products, how are Netflix recommending films, how are Spotify recommending music, the problems they're trying to solve as organizations are quite similar to um, what the search engines are trying to solve as well. And, you know, that, that kind of thinking about it in that broader way, I think is kind of quite helpful. And we're getting a little bit um, outside of the original trend we were talking about, but it's a fascinating subject. And one of the areas that really gets me excited is the prediction. Although I, I, on Spotify, you mentioned I, I love Spotify when my kids have been playing on the Spotify playlist because I'll come back and suddenly there's all this kind of like 80s dance music and all stuff really random kind of ABBA tracks which uh, it's recommending just based upon my kids having a play around it. Yeah, yeah. That's what you've been listening to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to go and plug that on in the background right now. Is there one <laughs> last thought you have about how search is going to um, develop in 2016? Um, I suppose if I had to kind of sum up um, what I, what one thing that I think it's kind of, you know, and this is, it's not going to be just for 2016. It's going to be for the future always. It's just kind of being agile. It's being responsive. It's being prepared to learn. I think if you can get too stuck in your ways, that's always going to be, uh, 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 it's going to make you hard to respond to change. But also don't forget that there is this temptation um, to always worry about what's going to be next. I don't think enough people um, always pay enough attention to what has already happened, if you see what I mean. So it's that kind of, you know, it's very exciting and, you know, it's very interesting. And people like me who are obsessed by it are kind of all very excited about what's going to happen next. Um, but actually, most businesses don't have a good mobile website. Most businesses' websites are quite slow. Most of them don't have great... They, they've not tested their um, paid search advertising to the extent that they could. So, Kelvin, last thing then. Um, could you tell us how we can find out more about you? And then we'll say goodbye. Yep. So um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I've got the username Kelvin Newman. Um, and I'm also, I podcast very regularly on um, the Internet Marketing Podcast. Fantastic. It's been great to talk to you, Kelvin, and hear so much about what you've been up to over the last few years. And in particular, the trends that you've seen come and go and your view for what the trends will be in 2016. So thank you very much to Kelvin. Cheers. And we'll say goodbye. Bye-bye. We've heard from just one of our experts today. But if you'd like to get the insight from all 40 of our practitioners and read what the major trends are that they think you need to know about, then download your copy of the ClickSee Intelligence Digital Trends Report now. Visit clickc.com forward slash digital trends 2016 UK report to download the full report for free now. ClickSee, the original digital business intelligence company founded in 1997, provides best practice advice, trends and insight from leading analysts and practitioners to a global community of more than 100,000 digital marketing and e-commerce professionals. We'll be talking to more of our experts over the next few weeks. Until then, keep up to date with ClickSee. Thank you for listening and bye for now.